Happy Monday, everyone. I hope you all had a great weekend. This is Unbothered with your host, Josh. Today, I'm going to be talking about Matthew Stafford, the Cowboys trading for Trey Lance. Another odd Cardinals move, but it does have a lot of meaning. Then, there's been a lot of lists this season of quarterbacks, top 10 quarterbacks, top 100 player lists from the NFL, ESPN. I react to yet another top 100 list that just has me baffled. And I make my own top 10 players right now list. Then preseason is over. So I give you my preseason top 10 teams. This is the preview to week one. These are my, you know, pre-week one, post-preseason uh, top 10 teams. And then finish off with some college football. So let's get right into it. Starting with news of Matthew Stafford, and in particular, it's Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly Stafford, uh, that said today on her podcast that Matthew is having a hard time gelling with these younger Rams. Uh, She said quite a lot in her podcast, so I'll just go through it. I didn't think she was going to get this in depth with some of her remarks. Uh, But she said that, you know, the difference in the locker room has changed uh, so significantly significantly with the time that he has been in the league, uh, especially right now because there's a lot of rookies, a lot of young talent on the Rams. So uh, she was saying that, you know, back in the day, they'd come out of practice when he was on the Detroit Lions, and people would be playing uh, cards, ping pong, uh, talking to each other. And now he says everyone's on their phone. Well, guess what? That's just this generation. This generation's always on their phone. I was out to breakfast uh, this past weekend with my family. We were talking. Family right next to us. All the kids had their AirPods on, AirPods on, on their phones, tablets. It wasn't any interaction. So it's just the majority of this generation right now. Uh, Kelly Stafford went on uh, continuing in her podcast saying that they struggle to have his new teammates view him as an equal. They say to him, sir, uh, and, you know, he's trying to say, yo, we're, you know, we're on the same level and stuff like that. He says it's hard to develop. Uh, because all these young kids, they don't care, or it's not that they don't care. They're just used to going straight to their phones. It's different. It's kind of sad. Uh, so I've got a few uh, thoughts on this. And, you know, Matthew Stafford definitely is an older guy, but you have to adapt to what the younger players like and want to do and go off their vibe. Um, and to me, the perfect, there's two great examples right now, one in the NFL and one non-NFL example. The NFL example, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. Now he is in, you know, he got traded like Matthew Stafford into a different team. Aaron Rodgers got traded new team. 
and to a team with a lot of young players, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, a lot of young talent, a lot of rookies on the team, second-year players. So a lot of, you know, inexperience. But right away, what does he do? He does things that, hey, they want to do. He goes to uh, uh, basketball games and hockey games and is going out to dinner with them. And I think there's, you know, some push and shove, you know, with him and doing things they want to do and things he wants to do. You know, he was going to a Taylor Swift concert with his friends and all that, and he does some of those sporting events with the younger players. So he's meshed in really well. Uh, with the younger crowd, and you can see that they respect Aaron Rodgers, and especially on hard knocks, though, uh, they don't treat him any differently. He's just a member of the team, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers still commands that respect, but he's still not superior to any of the other guys. And now my non-NFL example is Lionel Messi. Now, Lionel Messi the greatest soccer player of all time, you know, going from a prestigious Barcelona to PSG, has won a World Cup, and then he comes over to the MLS. In the MLS, there's a lot of young talent on the team. Uh, Yes, they did bring in some of Lionel Messi's friends onto the squad, but there is quite a bit of young talent uh, on the team there. And what does Lionel Messi do? He meshes and fits uh, right in. Uh, You know, learns English uh, to be able to speak uh, with his teammates. is a genuine, uh, down-to-earth guy. Uh, And they respect him. And, you know, not is he just the leader and captain, uh, but he's someone, you know, the guys can trust to be around. So it makes me, you know, think of two things. The first thing uh, is, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Messi, gelling with their uh, younger teammates, their new teams, where Matthew Stafford is struggling, is A, how much effort are you putting in? Is it a personality problem with you? Or do you just like to complain? Uh, Because don't bash the organization. Don't bash the Rams and say, oh, we used to do it in Detroit. Like this, well, guess what? Detroit's way different now. The culture's way different than how he was in Detroit and the coaches he was over. Uh, Again, the culture's way different in Detroit. Don't bat the Rams organization. Yeah, there's a lot to do in L.A., but how much do you want to do with what the players want to do? I don't expect 20-year-olds to be playing cards and ping-pong after football games anymore, after practice. I just don't. And maybe this is part of a reason why the Rams wanted to trade him, and there was reports of the Rams offering trades and saying, hey, they would accept trades for Matthew Stafford because, hey, uh, the Rams are kind of going to this younger generation team, younger talent. Uh, where they do want to see their quarterback, you know, out with their teammates like Joe Burrow was uh, the other week for a soccer game, him and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and a lot of other uh, Cincinnati Bengal players uh, were there. 
But guess what? The quarterback was there. The most important position in football. And he was there. But Matthew Stafford is struggling with it. Uh, Because of this report, you know, before I was kind of high on the Rams, I think they passed the Seahawks in the division. Uh, But after this report of the uh, chemistry issues that they're having, I think outside of Stafford and Cooper Cup and, of course, Aaron Donald on defense, I'm sliding them back down to three uh, below the Seahawks. So that will be reflected when I do my uh, division rankings and schedule predictions and all that. Next up. This past Friday, the Cowboys traded for Trey Lance of the 49ers. Now I have a couple of things on this, a couple of thoughts on this. The first is I'll go from a 49ers perspective, and I mentioned this last week. But this trade for the 49ers is going to go down as probably the worst draft deal trade in NFL history. Trading three first-round picks for the third overall pick to get Trey Lance who you've been trade for a fourth-round pick and only started two games and the last second game he got injured, that's terrible. And then you see what the Dolphins did with those three picks and using those three picks to then acquire Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. They have three great players on their team now because of that 49ers trade. So the 49ers missed on that one. Uh, that's just, you know, that one hurts. That can set, to me, that didn't set them back, you know, a whole ton because the rest of their draft and free agency pickup are very good. But to me, it did set them back, you know, a Super Bowl to where as if they had their right quarterback, I believe they would have won a Super Bowl. By now, I believe they would have uh, beat the Rams in the NFC Championship game a couple years ago. They would have beat the Eagles in this one if they have their legitimate legitimate quarterback. But they don't have that, and they're still struggling. Now, what does this mean for the Cowboys? Well, this thing could easily go sideways for them. So, Trey Lance has two years left on his deal, his rookie contract. And Dak also has two years remaining on his contract. So to me, this is interesting because, you know, they were in need of a a backup quarterback. Uh, with Cooper Rush uh, being gone, signing a contract uh, somewhere else, that, hey, he's no longer the backup. They had Will Greer, uh, but they actually just cut him. So it's kind of uh, Trey Lance is a backup to Dak Prescott now uh, because of Will Greer uh, being gone. So it's Will Greer, Trey Lance, and my bad. Uh, Cooper Rush is still on there. But to me, uh, it looks like Cooper Rush will either – Stay on there, or Cooper Rush could look to get traded because he had five great games uh, last year in backing up 
uh, Trey Lance. But you look at this, you know, Dak Prescott is the oldest quarterback on this roster. Uh, Dak's 30. Cooper's 29. He's, he's a backup. Trey Lance is 23, and he's a younger than a lot of quarterbacks in this league, a lot of raw talent. So I believe uh, Cowboys are bringing them, him in, hoping that, hey, uh, we get to have him as our backup. Maybe we'll see some things. Maybe we can develop, progress him better than what the 49ers did, unlock something that we can use uh, in some sort of package. And to me, Trey Lance, you know, I want the backup quarterback to play similarly to the starting quarterback offensive style so we don't have to change, again, the offense from a backup. Trey Lance, to me, is more of a mirror of Dak Prescott. Again, I think with more upside. Will that upside ever be realized? Will that potential ever be tapped into? I don't have the answer for that question. I don't know. I don't think Trey Lance is going to play this year. But it is intriguing because, hey, two years, Dak Prescott's contract is up. He'll be 32. Are you going to want to sign him to another mega contract? Or are you hoping that, hey, Trey Lance can prove something within these next two years? Hey, maybe he can be the guy. And like I said, this thing could go sideways too because Dak Prescott wasn't informed of this. He knows it's a business, but, hey, Dak Prescott in the past has been prone to getting injured and being out stretches of a season, two, three, four weeks. What if he gets injured? Trey Lance comes in, and Trey Lance plays great when, if you recall, that's how Dak got his job. Tony Romo was a starter. He got injured. Dak Prescott took the reins, played great, never looked back. Are you worried about that with Dak Prescott? Because Trey Lance could come in at any moment. Take the reins, play great, and never look back. And Jerry Jones would fall in love with him if he were to start and win some games. So it is interesting to think about. Uh, I'm not going to make too much of a big deal about it right now. But that is an interesting development to keep tabs on with this Cowboys team. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Arizona Cardinals have made a series of questionable moves last week with trading Isaiah Simmons, their former first-round pick, for a seventh-round pick, trading a fifth-round pick for Joshua Dobbs. And today, they cut their backup quarterback, their main backup, who started uh, the rest of the season last year when Kyler Murray got injured, Colt McCoy. So Colt McCoy has been cut, who is kind of their main backup. So that means they only have two quarterbacks left on their roster with his release. Uh, they And, of course, Kyler Murray is still on the uh, injured list, so injured reserve, so he's not active for a starter. So their two active quarterbacks are going to be Joshua Dobbs, who they just required, and their fifth-round pick this year, Clayton Toon. Now, Clayton Toon... Ran the second team offense for a majority of, you know, spring training camp preseason. So I expect Joshua Dobbs to be the starter, even though it's not officially been announced yet. I believe he'll take the reins. Excuse me. But to me, this is 
just further confirmation that the Arizona Cardinals this year are going to be a catastrophe. They are absolutely tanking for Caleb Williams. And I um, I bought into it. The Cardinals are going to be bad this year. If you're starting Joshua Dobbs or Claytoon, you're going to be terrible. And that's why they aren't favored in any game this season. I don't think they deserve to be favored in any game. I think the closest uh, chance they have at winning is uh, week, you know, in November, you know, they are two-point underdogs to both the Texans and the Rams in back-to-back weeks. But outside of that, uh, I think the Cardinals are going to be very bad. And I'm going to be honest here. I think they are going to flirt with 0-17. I really do. I think they could match, you know, the Detroit Lions, uh, 0-17, the Browns, 0-16. I think they're going to be that bad. I really do. I think the Cardinals have a greater chance of going 0-16 than any other team in the league right now. And they also have a better chance of going 0-16 than I think a team like the Chiefs or Eagles or Bengals have of going 17-0. and So again, I think the Cardinals have a much better chance of having a non-winning season, not an all-losing season, than any other team does of having an undefeated season. And that's how bad I think the Cardinals are going to be this year. Now moving on. So a couple weeks ago, the NFL players ranked their, you know, peers in a, the NFL top 100. So I was reacting to that as that was released and reacting to the final rankings. So ESPN did their own today. Some I'm not surprised with and some I am. So Patrick Mahomes at one, not surprised with. Justin Jefferson at two follows the suit of the NFL top 100 again. I think that's a bit too high for him. And then here we have where it gets really interesting. Jalen Hurts at three. So, again, he was three in both rankings. And to me, at this point, it's like, really? Uh, are we all blind? Is Joe, since Joe Burrow's at four, is Jalen Hurts better than Joe Burrow? I want everybody to honestly... Ask themselves that. I want you to write it down on a piece of paper. Is Jalen Hurts better than Joe Burrow? And if you answer yes, you got to list three reasons that he has done in his NFL career that he is better. Because I don't see it. I don't see it. Yes, I think he was great, but I don't see him near the same level. As Joe Burrow is. Uh, yes, Jalen Hurts got injured for a few games, missed the season, but Joe Burrow dwarfs uh, Jalen Hurts when it comes to uh, passing yards. Joe Burrow was around 4,500 this past year. Jalen Hurts, 3,700. Uh, touchdowns, Jalen Hurts through 22 to Joe Burrow's um, 35. Uh, passer rating of 101 for Joe Burrow. Same for Jalen Hurts. Uh, completion percentage, 
Joe Burrow, 68. Jalen Hurts, 66. So both are just some small stats, but Jalen Hurts is not better than Joe Burrow. And it's funny, too, because they even did their projections, what they're projecting. So how can you have Jalen Hurts be better than Joe Burrow if you're projecting Joe Burrow to finish with 1,000 more passing yards, 4,500 for Joe, 3,500 for Jalen Hurts, and projecting Joe Burrow to get 11 more touchdowns, 33-22. to Two more interceptions, 12-10, to which isn't that big of a deal. In a rushing, it's not an insane gap either. We expect 255 for Joe. 270 for Jalen, 12 rushing touchdowns for Jalen, well, five for Joe. So even in the projections, they're making that out to be Joe Burrow better. If you were to do a blind reveal of those projections, or even last year's numbers, majority of the people would choose Joe Burrow. Why is that? Because he is the better quarterback. Uh, I, so far have not met or talked to any of my friends that think that Jalen Hurts is better than Joe Burrow. The only people I hear saying that are the so-called written ESPN experts and somehow those NFL peers as well because it's a joke. Micah Parsons at six I think is incredibly high to be the second best defensive player uh, in the list. I don't think that at all. Uh, Aaron Donald at three behind him. Nick Bosa at four, uh, which is funny because Nick Bosa won Defensive Player of the Year, yet Micah Parsons, who was runner-up and didn't have his good numbers, uh, is somehow better than him. So, again, it is that is interesting as well. Uh, also, the other fact of Tyreek Hill being 16 below, the likes of T.J. Watt, Sauce Gardner, Miles Garrett. I also think it's funny, Travis Kelsey outside of the top 10? Uh, this list is whack. So I'm going to give you my top 10 players in the NFL right now. I've done quarterbacks last week, but now I'm giving you who I think top 10 players, regardless of position, are in the NFL right now. And I'm going to start with one and then go to 10. Because one's obvious, it's easy, it's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, again, two-time MVP, two-time uh, Super Bowl MVP, uh Half those coming this past year because of how fantastic he was in terms of yards and touchdowns thrown this year. Uh, his impromptu ability, his toughness, read the field, read defenses, ad lib plays. He's just that good. Number two, Joe Burrow. Yes, to me, the second best quarterback in the league is also the league's second best player. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that either. Because his accuracy is off the chart. His completion percentage, his QBR, uh, is better than uh, Mahomes. He's a much more sounder, steadier pocket pocket presence. Um, He is elite. Throw of a football as well. I have him at number two. Number three, Nick Bosa. Yes, I have Nick Bosa at number three. He is the defensive player of the year. And to me, he's the defensive player that when I watch strikes the most fear into the hearts of others, uh, offensive linemen and quarterbacks. 
I'm not a 49ers fan. I don't hate the 49ers either. But when you have number 97, Nick Bosa lining up on the other other end, you have to make sure that he's accounted for. That's how good he is. He's an ultimate uh, game disruptor as well. Uh, He can beat you with multiple moves. Uh, For the pass rush, he's strong. He can get after the run as well. Uh, I have him at three. Number four, Justin Jefferson. I have Justin Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year here. He's a tremendous wide receiver and has broken a lot of records since he's come into the league, or I should say he's set a lot of milestones um, since he's come into the league with how well um, he's playing. Um, Again, increasing his numbers each and every year, but he is just a fantastic football player player. Number five, uh, close to to um, Justin Jefferson is Devontae Adams. To me, it was criminal that Devontae Adams was outside, you know, the top 20 or so in uh, this ranking because he is so good. Yes, he had Derek Carr. But I think he is still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I really do feel that way. I think he is that good, um, that big time. So I've got to have him uh, right there again. Not doing it with Aaron Rodgers anymore. Uh, Had a lesser quarterback in there and was still very good. Number six. I've got Jamar Chase. He had another wide receiver, so that's three in a row. Yes, I think he is that good and is deserving of being at number six. He's another one you have to send double teams. Uh, I think these three wide receivers here are very close in terms of talent. Each does something, you know, a little differently. But they are all very, very elite Number seven, I got another quarterback, Josh Allen, I have up here. Why do I have Josh Allen here? Oh, I do think he is the third best quarterback. I think he's one of the best. A dual threat quarterback, got an absolute cannon of the arm, can read the field as well, can make tight throws. Uh, The reason he's not up there with the Mahomes Burrow is because there is minor inconsistencies that do happen and tend to show. I don't like that with my starting quarterback, so I have him at seven. Number eight, Travis Kelsey. Uh, as important as a weapon as anybody in the NFL and is on pace to be the greatest tight end of all time, surpassing the current GOAT, Gronkowski. Uh, but Kelsey has won multiple Super Bowls, has been a key cog, the connection with Patrick Mahomes, doesn't like any other for a quarterback-receiver duo, and I've got to put him there. At number eight. Number nine, Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tyreek Hill made uh, Tua look very, very good um, last year and has kind of been part of this reason why teams have bought into the Dolphins and uh, this team is because, you know, if Tua is healthy, but hey, look at the weapons. Look at how good Tyreek Hill is. I mean, come on, when you have a guy that fast, 
with those hands, it makes it difficult for the defense. It just really does that blazing speed that he has. Number 10, Trent Williams. I do think he is the best offensive lineman in football. Uh, maybe his stats drop just a bit where he's not as high as he was in previous years, but still he is a force at left tackle. Um, coming down, uh, pass protection is great. A run block the way they can San Francisco pulls and schemes him um, as well and just dominates opposing defensive linemen. And Trent Williams is right there. So those are my top 10 players in the NFL right now. Now time to go to my top 10 teams in the NFL right now. This is accounting for draft, uh, free agency, preseason. Uh, this is kind of the, you know, my top 10 teams going into the year. And we factored in everything. There's nothing else to factor into this except now when the games are played, and that'll change week to week. So preseason top 10 teams, or now that we're post-preseason, post-preseason top 10, who knows. But let's start with number 10 this time. My number 10, the Detroit Lions. Why? Well, they had a high-powered offense last year, offensive coordinator. Uh, ben Johnson worked hard with Jared Goff. They got the offense down. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is a tremendous wide receiver. So, again, this offense was good. Dan Campbell set the culture there, is the leader of Detroit, a real great coach. Uh, this team went out and improved a bad defense, bad secondary, went out acquired pieces in free agency in the draft to make this defense a better. And I think those moves are going to pay off. And that's why I have the Detroit Lions here at number 10. Number nine, the Los Angeles Chargers. Why? Well, I think this team got better in the draft from free agency. Getting Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, I think, is an um, upgrade over Lombardi. Uh, Staley doesn't have to do as much. They went out and got Quinston Johnson in the draft, which I thought was very nice. They have a big wide receiver core. They made Austin Eckler happy uh, by giving him some more incentives in his contract uh, and money as well. So with that being said, uh, Staley can now focus on that defense, make them a touch better. Uh, this team can be really, really good. Number eight, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Buffalo Bills lost Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator. I'm not, to be honest, I'm not. I don't think that's a you know huge deal considering he has a good defense. Then it gets better offenses. His defense does not look the same. It gets shredded. That's what we saw Joe Burrow and a better offense than the Bengals do to it. Uh, you know that defense will look good against the the inept Jets, but you face it against some good talent. Uh, and it has its troubles. So they also didn't make a ton of moves um, as well. So that's why I have the, them sitting here at number eight, which are still a really good uh, playoff team. Number seven, the New York Jets, a team I'm buying into the hype, and I thought had a great offseason draft trading for Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, watching hard knocks and the team chemistry that they have going on. It's also really special 
it feels like there is this culmination of building to something special this year. I don't know if it will be this year because, again, I think they're young. Offensive line, I'm not 100% sold on. But this is a team that I think if they hit their stride, they can definitely make the AFC Championship game. Number six, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, to me, the Dallas Cowboys made some underrated moves this year but didn't get talked about enough in acquiring a second wide receiver opposite CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks and an opposite cornerback outside of Stephon, or Trevon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore. Those two moves, I think, are really good. Micah Parsons still a force. Um, Dak Prescott, I think, does have a chip on his shoulder. And then I look at the other teams that regress, the 49ers, I think will regress a little bit with Brock Purdy, even though their roster is better, and the Eagles, I think, will well, will regress a bit too, even though their roster is better. Number five, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this is a team that will not have Calvin Ridley after the year-long suspension, but this is a team that hit their stride and won like six out of their final seven games last year. Uh, Doug Peterson really helped unlock Trevor Lawrence and, you know, tap into more of his potential. Is a great starting quarterback uh, in this league. They're able to run the football. The offensive line uh, is solid, and the defense is also solid. So when you have a solid team in a very weak division like they are, you can win a lot of games and clinch uh, playoff seeding earlier than a lot of others. Number four. San Francisco 49ers. This, to me, I feel like is the most complete best roster when you do have Christian McCaffrey at running back, Elijah Mitchell as a backup. Your receivers are Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayub, George Kittle. You have Trent Williams on the offensive line. A defense, you've got Javon Hargrave, you stole from the Eagles. You've got Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, Hufanga. You've got this talent. The question is a quarterback, and that's why they're not any higher because I'm not sold on Brock Purdy being able to do what he did for seven games last year for an entire season this year. Three, Philadelphia Eagles. I had them ahead of the Niners because their quarterback position is higher. Now, the 49ers did poach Javon Hargrave, make their defense a little weaker, but I thought the Eagles had one of the best drafts in getting Jalen Carter and Kobe Dean from the Eagles. They traded for DeAndre Swift. They signed Rashad Penny. Uh, I think this team's going to keep growing, and that's why I had them at three. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Chris Jones being out did affect this just a bit because it looks like he won't be there playing in week one uh, moving forward and beyond until that contract gets uh, resigned. So. That is a big deal, I think. And I think this defense was opportunistic last year. I want to see how they play a second year. And now, you know, more offensive inconsistency for weapons outside of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I do want to see some more in the offensive line. Two new left tackle, right tackle. Donovan Smith was not that good last year. You did get a good right tackle from the Jaguars. So this will be interesting. So those are my top 10 teams in the NFL. And then lastly on college football, I was 2-0 so far in my college football picks, even though briefly should have been expected. Hopefully nobody thought Navy was an upset Notre Dame because Notre Dame looked really good. 
And same with San Jose State and USC. Hopefully nobody picked against USC. Because even though that defense does look weak, does look like USC's offense is top-notch and already in midseason form. So later this week, I am going to go more in-depth with college football, give you my college football picks, my top four teams I think are going to win their divisions, conferences, win it all, the whole shebang. That'll be here later in the week. I'll talk to you guys late then. Bye, everybody.